Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. Thanks for tuning in to Talk Is Wrestling on the Never Sleeps Network. Hey, old NSN, that's where we are at, the Never Sleeps Network. I am your host, Casey Corbin. Thank you for joining in on the Talking Wrestling podcast each week. Uh, this is week five of our show. We have a fantastic guest here on the Never Sleeps Network. And also, let me remind you before I introduce the guest that, uh, you know, we are Talking Wrestling, and you can catch us on all the social medias. You can catch us on the Twitter. Twitter at uh, TNW Pod. Uh, we are also on Instagram, Talking Wrestling Podcast, as well as email, talkingwrestling at gmail.com, in case you want to drop us a line or send us an email or let us know what you think of the show. Remember also on uh, whatever format you're downloading us on or finding us on, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we appreciate that. Your feedback is key to the show. Uh, folks, Usually I have a little monologue, a little story I want to tell, but today there's no go. Uh, I just want to get right to it because I know this guy can talk wrestling with the best of them. I have uh, worked with him many times, and anytime we do work, we end up talking wrestling a lot. And I'm excited he's here in studio. Uh, folks, he is the man mountain of comedy. In Canada, you've seen him on Just for Laughs. He's the star of Letter Candy on Crave TV. And if you're American and you're, you're like, what's that? Don't worry. He's also in Comedy Central's Jeff Ross Presents Roast Battle. And you might have seen him on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And he's right here for you in the Never Sleeps Now, in the NSN studios. K. Trev Wilson, how are you doing? Thanks good for button. coming. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Hey, great to have you. I'm still new at this, so uh, bear with me if I stutter over a few words. No worries. This is uh, hosting the show is brand new to me, but uh, this is the fifth episode. I'm excited to be here, and uh, wrestling is great. Oh, it's top notch. So let's just get started. Like, where did you start with wrestling? What is your like? What is your first memories of wrestling, and what made you get into wrestling? My earliest memories of wrestling is uh, WWF in the '80s. I got to say, I think it was Fallout from WrestleMania 4 or 5. It was right around when I started watching. Uh, I remember uh, they kept replaying Bret Hart and Bad News Brown. Oh, from yeah. The, the Battle from the Royal. tournament, the Battle yeah. Royal. Yeah, how Bad News they, they, they teamed up, and then Bad News Brown threw Bret out of the ring, and uh, and then Bret came in and destroyed the uh, the trophy yeah, that Bad News had won. And at the time, you'd be like, well, Bret Hart's been a bit of a poor sport. But, you know, these guys had a well had a pretty good history in Stampede that you'd think they'd trust each other. You know, they'd only <laughs> feuded for several years in Calgary before... Uh, yeah, before he realizes, can I trust this guy that my dad's been paying for years? I love watching the old Bad News Brown stuff. Every year at the Survivor Series, he did the same thing, like clockwork. He would he would be beating up all the faces, and then someone on his team would accidentally hit him, and Brown would lose it and walk out on and his whole out. team. Every year without fail, Bad News Brown abandoned his Survivor Series team. Uh, so my roommate and I, Jeff McHenry, we have been recently in like going through the Saturday Night's main events. We started oh, yeah. in one. We're in the third or fourth season right now. But I had not went back and reviewed all these since I was a kid when I watched them on air. But I can still, like, going in, I was like, I know the promos. I've memorized, like, the first Ricky Steve, I was like, yeah, the dragon will slay that slimy snake. So, but anyways, we're working up. I'm like, wait till we get to Bad News Brown and Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's Main Event. He's like, what? I was like, Bad News Brown tells him he's going to do the ghetto blaster. And then Hogan's just like, okay. And he ducks. 
It's like the dumbest thing ever. You know, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen Bad News Brown do. But at the same time, it's like the best thing I've ever seen him do. Because he's like, ghetto blaster time. And then he throws it and Hogan just ducks. Like, it's just like, even if Hogan's ducking, you should still be able to hit a ghetto blaster on him. But he got down. But that's so that was, you know, that's the, the earliest memory is the Bret Hart. That's WrestleMania 4. That and like uh, uh, Iron Sheik and Volkov beating up some jobbers. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I distinct early memories are of uh, Bret Hart demolishing that trophy. And, uh, and I, I believe that was WrestleMania 4. I believe, yeah. That, that it was, was the, WrestleMania 4. It was the opening. I believe it was the opening bout. It was, uh, yeah. So, so the, the tournament where uh, Savage became the champion. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it was one of the, the, the two back-to-back WrestleManias at, at Trump Plaza, which is... Uh, uh, the presidential plaza. We, we call yeah. them the presidential manias. Presidential plaza now, yeah. Yeah, that, that, is, that is crazy. And that was, they were both great WrestleManias, too, because the main events of each one you know, pretty much had the same people involved. Like the main event of WrestleMania 4 was uh, DiBiase versus Macho. Yeah, with and Andre, Hogan was brought in. Andre and Virgil and DiBiase's corner, Elizabeth Hogan and uh, yeah, Savages. Yeah, and you had the Hogan Andre rematch from WrestleMania 3 in the tournament, also. Yeah. You which know, went the, to no contest. So you weren't around to see the main event when Hogan lost the belt to Andre on NBC on primetime. Do you remember that? Or is that too early? Um, well, I mean, like, in that, that re- was the buildup of that year. In retrospect, you know, I've gone back and, and oh, seen yeah. all of that stuff. Uh, so, I, and, and they would have, like, you know, showed clips of the. Uh, because the, the, they were always reminding you of what was going on in the feud. Because I mean, back when we were kids, we yeah. didn't have live no. wrestling. It was all pre-taped. Yeah, and uh, so and and you know, like you rarely saw the champions on TV when when we were kids. Yeah, like Hogan would come out and cut a promo, and or you know, someone might show up on the Brother Love show and, and yeah. promote a match. But uh, you waited till the pay per views to really see the champions wrestled the pay-per-views of the saturday night main events yeah the way i looked at it when i was a kid i figured out pretty earlier that ran that the wrestling the, like superstars was basically like an infomercial you're just watching this and all it does is make you want to go out to the house shows where you're going to see hogan fight boss man yeah and you're going to see actual matches like no no squash matches you're going to see Tito Santana against Macho Man you're not going to see you know cuz like when you watch TV it's just all these squash matches and every now and again they'd have one match maybe yeah. they'd show you a teaser of like one decent match but it was a mid card level match yeah but, but like, i mean like Gorilla Monsoon was great at making every guy seem like a, a viable co- competitor mm-hmm. like he could talk up a jobber Yes. Like no one else. So, I mean, as a kid, you just didn't know that this was a nothing match. Like, it wasn't until looking back, it's like, you know, why did I waste so much time watching fucking oh, jobbers? But, yeah, uh, but I, dude, like, I went to, I went to superstar tapings. I went to uh, two of them. That's like, five, and they do five episodes of superstars taping. So you got five weeks of wrestling, and usually, You'd had to wait three weeks before it started airing, about three weeks before yeah. it started airing. But I remember I would tell this, there was like a slow kid in a high school. 
I would start saying, I was like, I can predict the next five weeks of superstars. And, like, he went, and, he was like, and every week he'd be like, what's going to happen this week? Well, this week, Jake the Snake's going to get his hand caught in the coffin uh, while he's on uh, the uh, the funeral parlor. You know, like that was one of the, they started the Snake uh, Undertaker feud. Or, yeah. well, this week, uh, Ric Flair's going to come out with the belt and he's going to slap Roddy Piper in the head with it. Like, that was like probably one of the greatest moments I've ever seen live. But like always on superstars, then it was just like one uh, just night, like match after match after match. It gets boring, and then they throw in a good match, and then I still you know. remember the first live event I went to, and it was my buddy Mikey Herman's birthday, and uh, we went to uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, and the main event was Hogan versus Mister Perfect and the Genius in a oh handicap match, and uh, it ended with. Hogan putting uh, Lanny Poffo over his knee, pulling his tights down and, and spanking, and spanking his spanking bottom. Him. Uh, Snooker <laughs> was on that card. I think there was a Jake Roberts, Jim Neidhart match uh, on it. A Million Dollar Man was there with Virgil. And I, I'm pretty sure the Million Dollar Belt was brand new at that point. And Probably, they were really yeah. pumping that. Like, we brought signs. And uh, it was the day Whipper Billy Watson passed. Oh, because they did the uh, ten bell ten bells for, for Billy Watson, yeah. And I, I remember uh, my I, my grandmother was visiting, and uh, I was she just read about Whipper Billy Watson in the paper, and she told me that morning that when you know she was young, uh, my grandfather would take her out to watch the wrestling matches, yeah, and they would go see you know Whipper Billy Watson and Yukon Eric and. Uh, and it was like the first time I was like, like grandma watched wrestling. Like I had no idea that it just didn't seem like something that my nice old granny would ever know. And, and she, she was like, Oh yeah. Grandpa shoulder would take oh, me yeah. to the matches all the time. My grandfathers both loved wrestling. And then my mom loved wrestling. Like my mom, you know, she, when she was a kid. She had like, she told me she used to watch Edward Carpentier. Like that was like the, oh, the nice. wrestler that they loved the most, like maybe her, her and her dad, but by the you know by the attitude era, my mom was stone cold t shirt watching raw flipping back and my friend would go over and watch and we had an illegal dish oh, so nice. my friend would go over and he flipped back and forth between nitro and raw and my mom's like don't miss stone cold I don't want to miss stone cold if you're gonna flip you know so <laughs> but at the same time she loved Kevin Nash too <laughs> my my f- like my folks were never into it like my my dad uh, was kind enough to sort of indulge. My obsession with, uh, you know, action figures and yeah. whatnot. But, I mean, they, they were definitely not uh, wrestling fans. My, my cousin Graham in Kingston was, and they had they had a satellite dish. So my cousin would uh, tape all the pay-per-views. Uh, and then when me and my brother came to visit, we'd get to sit down and watch. Just watch pay-per-views? Watch all the pay-per-views when we came to visit. And uh that was our big thing. It's like, oh man, when we get to Kingston, we get to watch. We're gonna we, have we so get, much wrestling, and, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I'd buy, you know, WWE magazine and, and oh yeah, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I, I love have a Peter great Bray. collection of like old wrestling mags from the eighties. Yeah, uh, of just uh, I, I, I actually have uh, like a, a profile on Dusty Rhodes where they have a picture of a twelve-year-old Cody Rhodes. Yeah. It says that uh, he his wrestling name was going to be the Stardust Kid, and it's so funny because that's. But I met Cody. 
Yes. And and I, I wanted to bring it to him to show him, but I couldn't find it. But I told him about it. I'm like, I have like an old wrestling observer. Yeah. With like a picture of you at the age and of 12. And I can picture it's like, this is like the wrestlers at home. Or when they remember that one of them had well, it. They, like, they, they just had like a picture of like a shirtless 12-year-old wearing shorts and like yeah. wrestling and like collegiate wrestling shoes in like a collegiate <laughs> pose. And it's young Cody. And it says that his name's the Stardust Kid. And I was like, I was going to bring it to you because uh, uh, to show it to you and maybe get you to sign it. But I said, uh, you know, I couldn't find it. It's in, it's in one of my boxes. And he's like, yeah. He goes, people bring me that a lot to sort of, you know, as like proof that I always wanted to be Stardust. But he goes, my dad called me the Stardust Kid. Like that was, that was my dad's nickname yeah. for me. That wasn't my wrestling name. That was what my dad <laughs> called me. He's like, so he's like, uh, but he's like, yeah, I've, I, I remember that and I've seen it. And he goes, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. But he goes, it's really not true. I didn't want to be the Stardust Kid. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was so funny because I was—I don't know—I uh, was watching the the episode of the latest episode of the uh, the Young Bucks, uh, the Elite series that they have. Oh, nice! And uh, they had a, a sketch in there where they're at a Toys R Us or something, and all the toys are there. And they're like, "Oh my god!" And they pan down. There's a Stardust doll, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And they're like, "Cody," and he's like, "Oh my god." I've been looking everywhere for that. It's the one. And they're like, it is the one. Then he reaches over and he grabs the Roman Reigns doll right beside it. And then they're like, it's such a funny joke. And it's just, uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the indie wrestling. I'm going to say that now. It's, a, it, it's, I mean, like it is in a renaissance. I almost want to say. I think right now is like, it, I think it wrestling's in a new indie boom. wrestling. It's fantastic. Like what? New Japan and Ring of Honor are doing together. It's so good. It's like, to be honest, I enjoy what they're doing more than I enjoy what WWE is doing. Well, not necessarily WWE. Raw. I'm not happy with Raw. I just, I, but SmackDown, I do like, because SmackDown has all the Canadians. Yeah. There's not one Canadian on the Raw roster. They're all on yeah, SmackDown. Yeah, they traded them all to, to SmackDown. Yeah. So we're blue and white. But I'm fine with that. But NXT, I still love what they're doing with NXT because it keeps it simple. NXT is terrific. I want. I'm looking forward to the UK show launching uh, the yeah. May Young tournament. I, this is going to uh, be fantastic. I have high hopes for and uh, super excited to find out Moro Ronaldo's coming is, back yeah, to NXT back tonight. Well, t- we're taping tonight. This airs on the fifth, so he'll be August fifth. This airs, so. He'll be, you know, well into it yeah. or have been hazed and left by then. But I'm hoping that he's still into it. Like what that says to me is that Moro was uh, a Triple H hire. Yes. Uh, and not so much a Vince guy. No, I think he was a Triple H hire. Like he, he brought him in for the cruiserweight. And uh, uh, so, so I, I'm, I'm happy that Triple H, you know, decided to, to work with, yeah. you, know, you know, the guy's got uh, bipolar disorder and uh uh you know rather than punish him for a mental illness they're working with him and nxt is a much easier schedule because they you know they pre-tape at the top of the I month i think he's still gonna be based out, i think he's based up here like i think he's gonna be flying back and forth yeah 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 which which uh but it, but i mean it's a much easier schedule uh for, oh yeah for Moro and and uh i mean he's he's the best commentator they have. I think so right too. Now. Uh, I think so. I for like one him. thing, he actually knows what the moves are called. Yes. I don't ever throw things at the TV when he calls a move. I have to think that at this point, Mike, Michael Cole is intentionally miscalling, uh, a rolling fireman's carry. Yeah. As, as a rolling senton. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally drives me insane too. Like, well, I'm I've never been a Michael Cole fan, but I do like I do like Morrow and I like um, Corey Graves. I think he's great. He's too. He's really grown. He's really grown into the role. He, he tries to be too cool though. Yeah, it's like you're the heel. Yeah, you gotta you gotta remember that you're you can't be too cool. Oh yeah, and like if anybody is going to be a heel announcer, I I suggest going back and watching all those main events because Jesse is so good, and a lot of times he like he always says, "I'm not biased. I just tell it like it is." McMahon, like, and he does. He tells it like it is. Like, you know, like Hulk Hogan cheated constantly as a face. Oh yeah, eye rakes, back rakes illegal closed fist punching like always he, he hogan was a heel he, a heel champion you know as a face you know and then it's just like you know jesse was always pointing out hogan's breaking the rules you know or anybody that would break the rules as a good guy you know he just told it the way it was and i absolutely love that and also like you know uh i've watched interviews with ventura and and as a person uh, he talked to the wrestlers about the stuff he was going to say about them. Yes. He never, uh, like what he said about Tito Santana. Yeah. And he, Tito wrote in his book about this. He, he, he checked with Tito, like, is this crossing the line? Is this cool? Can I call you a flying burrito? Yeah. 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 Can I call you Chico Santana? Chico Santana. Yeah. Fantastic. I love, I absolutely love it. The last time we saw each other was at the What Culture pro wrestling yeah, show we ran into each other we ran the, into uh, each the, other the, the canadian qualifiers which for is the walt what culture and i had been at the previous smash event that day yeah i missed that, that i afternoon. did like eight hours of wrestling that eight day hours and i called one of the smash matches that day and how was that <clears throat> it was a blast i did have some uh, equipment troubles my my headphones weren't working properly so i was having to like you know strain to hear what the other two announcers were saying but i I full on channeled my inner Jesse the Body Ventura and was the heel announcer. Uh, uh, I was going to actually bring the DVD because I have the the DVD of the yeah. event, and, oh, yeah. uh, but it's available if you get the Smash um, uh, streaming uh, network, which actually is a great thing to get because you also have access to the, to Progress. Oh, that's wicked! You can yeah. watch old Progress uh, uh, stuff, but uh, so it's online if you're a Smash fan. It was a match between uh, the well-oiled machines, Braxton Sutter and uh, Psycho Mike Rollins uh, versus Tabernacle the Team. <laughs> I, I had a great time. I just uh, I, I went I went full heel announcer. My uh, I just wh- whoever cheats the most effectively is going to win was my theory. Oh. Kept talking about all my Hollywood connections. It was just a lot of fun. Oh, that would be a blast. Because uh, it's just, it, it, the heels are more interesting. Like, oh, let, yeah, Let's yeah. be honest. The heels are always more. Yeah. When you're a kid, you root for the, the you good guys. The hero, but eventually. When you're, uh, but when you're a teenager, you're like, man, these heels are hilarious. I remember when I made the, like, I was Hogan, 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 Hogan. And, like, we didn't, up in Canada, we didn't get a lot of NWA or WCW or anything like that. You we did. just read about them in the magazines. I remember, um, like, my buddy, I, I, if my buddies had satellites, so we could watch, like, sat WCW Saturday yeah. night at their place. And, again, like, in my cousins. Uh, but other than that, like, TSN on Saturdays would have Power Hour. Yeah. Which was, like, a recap of WCW programming hosted by... Uh, and when I watched it the most, it was uh, hosted by Eric Bischoff, Paul E. Dangerously, and Missy Hyatt. Yeah, crazy, yeah. And that was like, 
I remember like first discovering that around the uh, uh, the Steiner Brothers Doom Fabulous Freebirds feud. Okay, yeah. Just and then like I remember when Scott Steiner went out with the bicep tear after getting yeah. attacked by the two dicks, Dick Murdoch and Dick Slater. For me, like yes, yeah, so I remember. You know, I used to have to read about it, and then all of a sudden, a show came on in the in the mid eighties called uh, on CTV. They took Maple Leaf Wrestling spot. Maple Leaf Wrestling was running at three o'clock forever when I was a kid, and then Maple Leaf Wrestling was gone. Pro Wrestling Canada, and it was hosted by Milt Averdskin and Angelo Mosca, and they had King Kong uh, Mosca. Yeah, and they had AWA and uh, NWA matches, just stuff that you we wouldn't see on WWE television. And that was like, you know, but I remember when I made the adjustment to like, I'm a big Four Horsemen fan. I love Ric Flair. And, you know, and then I didn't really start liking Hogan again till maybe till Hollywood Hogan start like came back and he was Hollywood Hogan. And I was like, oh, this is great because now Hogan's a heel and he's totally reinvented himself and it's fantastic. But then once the yellow and red came back, I was all Hulkamania forever. Uh, yeah. Were you at the the WrestleMania Rock Hogan? I wasn't. I've never been to a WrestleMania. Oh man, uh, you, were at, uh, you were at it. My, the, my my dad for my birthday got uh, me and some buddies tickets, it's and the best. Uh, uh, we went to the Rock Hogan. And like you know, like I, I I get goosebumps when I watch it. Me, me and my buddies were like we were still wrestling fans. Like we were, you know, uh, I think because I, I think I was. Like, already graduated high school at that point but all through high school i had a group of buddies that we were like you know right into the attitude era and uh you know stone cold and dx and all that so i was abreast of the storyline and i knew going in that hogan was uh you know was the heel and rock was the face and i was all prepared cheering for for rocky i wanted to see the rock to win i actually had a feeling that the fans were going to cheer for hogan at that point like Hogan had been booed for so long just for being old and, and taking, you know, the thunder away from the younger guys. Yeah. And the fact that he was working heel in the storyline was just the natural progression. You just, but they, they didn't, they never factor in Bizarro Land. They don't factor in Toronto. But, um, when that classic theme music hit. Yeah. When, when, uh, you know, that, the, those chords of that Derringer song started pumping through the sound system in the Sky Dome. I Wait, did was, they pump through? I thought he came out to NWO. Did he come out to NWO music? I thought he came out to... Uh, I thought he came out to... Uh, he came out to... Real American? Real American. He did? I believe so, unless I just... That's just what I heard in my head, because I was so excited have, I don't think to he see did. Him. I think he came out to the NWO music. And I just uh, and I just heard Real American in my head, because I, I just heard what I wanted to I hear. I think that's what everybody heard in their head. If, the, if, if, if he came out to Real American, then that set off the pop because of nostalgia, because you got to realize, Toronto's a Hogan town. Yeah. Hogan used to wrestle twice a month in Toronto, because the W, because this was Jack Tunney's territory. Yeah, uh, you know we're talking about a man who drew seventy three thousand people on a house card, not even a pay per view, and he's the same guy that sold out the Sky Dome. And there was no doubt was, in my mind that the fans were going to cheer for Hogan. I was seven years old all over again when oh, Hogan, right when Hogan came out to face the Rock. I something turned and the nostalgia hit me and I was a full on Hulkamaniac all over again and just on my feet cheering for Hulkster. And he's one of the, you go back and you watch the, you know, when they're throwing the punches and the yays and the boos, I was just yays. Oh yeah. Just it didn't matter who was hitting who just, this was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. You know, the, the, the most charismatic man, the, the, 
the heir to, to Hogan, which uh, the that Rock is the became. passing of the torch too. Like they, it was, like, it was, the it in, was. Like, and no one was more so. Like everything the Rock did was was like shades of Hogan. He just did it a bit better. You know, he, uh, what made the rock great is every time he went away, he came back with a new step. That's, and you know, and you know, and Cena's the exact same. Cena comes back with new moves every time he leaves. I I love John Cena. I love John Cena too. I'm a huge John Cena fan. I've got a, I've got a hustle loyalty respect shirt at home. I've got a, uh, the you can't see me hat. I, I, I had a John Cena epiphany a few years ago at a house show. I was, uh, I was there with McGlunub and a couple other guys at Rico Coliseum. It was uh, uh, Cena versus Rollins. Yeah, and uh, was that the um, was that? In, no, 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 that wasn't a match. Rollins Sorry. was the heavyweight champion, but the match was only for Cena's U.S. title. Okay, and uh, it was the it was really awful to be having your world champion get beaten on every house show by the U.S. champion. Yeah, and that's what was happening all around the country, and that, I mean. No fault to the wrestlers. It's just, it was, it's poor booking. But, uh, you know, I was sort of indifferent to Cena at that point. You know, he'd, he'd uh, I, I was a big fan of his when he, when he hit. I thought he was like super charismatic. I never I'm, liked him for years. I'm like, when, when, when he started doing the rap gimmick, I was like, okay, he's, he's doing something different and he's coming out yeah. on his own and I like this. And from the face turn all the way through his runs, like when they were cheering for triple H, uh, I was cheering for Cena. Like I, but then after a while it, it became repetitive and I, and I got kind of stale on it, but I was sitting there at that house show and it was probably my first house show in a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm watching guys my age argue with kids. Yes. And like, I'm looking at these kids and just seeing how much they love John Cena. And it was like, wow, cheering against John Cena is pretty much cheering against the happiness of children. <laughs> I cannot be a part of that. So I, I had my face turn moment because yeah. I, a, a guy, this, this little kid's yelling at this grown man and this kid's yelling, Cena rules. And this grown man's yelling at in his Cena face, Cena sucks. sucks. And I turn around with the kid and just yelled, Cena rules. And the guy didn't know what to do. Cause yeah. He was like, what? No, and then the kids like all looked up because it was like a, finally a grown up who wasn't their parent had their back. And yeah. I was like, I was just, I just had suddenly a loyal army of children. And I was like, no, you're wrong. Cena rules. <laughs> it's so funny. Now, only if someone was there to do that for Roman today, you know, because I feel the same way about Roman. I feel the same. The way that people are with about Cena is kind of like Roman. Like pe- some some people just never like Cena. Eventually, they got a breakthrough. You got to give the guy a break or whatever. Yeah. Like Roman doesn't have bad matches. Most of Roman's matches, I'm entertained by. Roman's been working his ass off. Yeah. Um. I think one thing he needs to do is stop responding to trolls. Oh yeah, I think so too. Stop getting into it with people on the internet because it's not helping you. But I, I I think the mistake they're making with Roman is they they're like, okay, people want to boo him. Well, let's make him sort of neutral. Let's make him stone cold. And he's not. No, he, he's he's not that kind of guy. Like you can't book him like that to get him over with everybody. Because I mean, Stone Cold worked as an antihero because people were going to cheer him no matter what he did. Yes. If people are going to boo you no matter what you do, you either have to embrace it and, and let him go heal or turn him as baby face as you can. Yeah. Just make him the most like, well, first off, they missed the boat by not 
changing him out of the shield uniform. When the yeah. shield broke up, Rollins got a new personality. Ambrose got a new gimmick and Roman just, just stayed the same. Stayed the shield. Yeah. And, and you knew they were just like, well, the shield is over. So if we keep all this stuff on him, they like him. But it's like, no, he was, it, it made him seem stagnant. It made him seem, seem boring. Yeah. Like I, I thought if, if you want to keep him shield, you got to go super baby face. And I thought they, sh- they should have turned him in, into the equalizer. Yeah. Like if, if any time someone's gotten an unfair deal, have Roman show up to even the odds when a baby face is getting beat down, have Roman come out of the crowd and save him. Because first off, people get beat down for way too long in modern wrestling. Yeah. Like back in the day, they'd send out the, send out the refs. And if that didn't work, they'd send out security. And if that didn't work, the locker room would clear. Yeah. And now someone just gets beat up until it's uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, no one ever comes out to, to, to help them. And, no. and, and there's no button to the segment. You're just, they just go to commercial with this like uncomfortable visual of a man lying in his own sick, you yeah. know? I thought they should have turned Roman Reigns into the guy that comes out to help everybody. Because that's what the Shield claimed they were doing when they came out. Yes. Then you really can't boom because he's there saving your favorite guy. I also said that if they ever wanted to just, you know, reset it a year from now, they're all on the raw brand. Those three guys, mm-hmm. you know, you could have that reunion. Look at any time they're in a Royal Rumble or where the three of them's together and, and they get together and they're going to power bomb somebody through the, the table, the announcer's table. Everybody gets excited. Everybody. So don't. That's the thing is like all the people that shit over Roman are all shield fans essentially yeah because everybody loved the shield the shield was fantastic you know and um i wish they would have kept the shield a little longer together i I think they had a lot more like you know i I, I think they had another year in them well look at they're not in a hurry to break up new day no you know never have been just let them do what they do and and but i think what the shield was different like we have you know three potential champions here uh, you know in this match you know where you look at new day you know, whether you don't, I don't see the world title on any of those guys. And I never saw it on Kofi. I I don't know if he ever won it or he came close. I remember he had a couple good matches with Cena. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's held the number two belts. Uh, he's, you know, U.S. champion. I see champ multiple yeah. times. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that with the right story done properly, you can believably put the belt on anybody. Well, I think this is happening. To be honest, I think. Like, I have no problem with Jinder Mahal having that title. I think I, a lot of people hate the way he looks. Look at, I look at him. It looks like he belongs in Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. He looks like a villain. He looks like a heel. And I love the way they're doing it. They have sort of a Bret Hart 97 feel to it where he's not really, you know, a heel. He's not saying anything really bad. It's just, that, but everything I agree with, America hates him because of the way he looks. And, you know, they start chanting USA, USA. He's like, you're only proving me right. Like, I love it. I love that they teamed him up with the Sings. Like, this is all good because yeah. these are all Canadians. Three terrific you know, Canadians. All Western guys. Vancouver and Calgary. Calgary yeah. And, like, and Jinder, his, his roots in Canada are deep to Stampede, the great Gamma. is you know, and uh, Is he related to Gamma Singh? Yes, Gamma Singh is his uncle. That's amazing. Is that not amazing? Uh, you know, this is the first Calgary uh, wrestler, aside from Bret Hart, to hold the world title. 
So the, the 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 WWE World Title, you know, it's like that excites me, you know, and he's doing a great job. Like his matches have been have been solid so far uh, with Randy Orton. His feud's been good. They're bringing back the Punjabi at prison. prison. Yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. It looks. I just hope they can have a great match in it. And I, I really re- like respect Randy for uh, putting over. Gender is a champion. Well, Gender talked about it on Jericho Y2J's podcast, and he's like, the a big deal was him when he came back was, um, you know, that uh, Big Show let him slam him on a house card. And yeah. Big Show's like, he's been working hard, you know, and I thought, you know, if, if I let him slam me, it'll get back to the office because Big Show doesn't leave his feet very often. And, uh, you know, and it'll get back. And then that sort of did, you know, get them invested in, oh, well, wait a minute, you know. And uh, I think since he's come back, he's been fantastic. He's a, a training machine. Well, you'd have to be. You'd yeah. have to be, which I, which is also something that Vince loves. Yeah. You know, because he's like, I got to spend more time in the gym. And also, you know, if they're making a move towards, you know, being bigger in India, then it makes sense to have Jinder as the champion. And I think we're seeing a similar thing happen in the Indies right now, whereas I'm hoping, you know, Cody Rhodes has just taken the ROH title. And I think, you know, now we're pre-taping this. We're taping this uh, we're in June still. This will air in August. But right now, coming up on this weekend, coming up, Cody Rhodes will go for the IWGP title, uh, which is one of the most prestigious heavyweight champions anywhere in wrestling and against uh against okada and if he wins this it's gonna be fantastic for a double world champion fantastic for cody as well but it's like i think it's you know like a lot of people are going to be upset if cody wins because kenny omega has had back-to-back fantastic matches with okada and he's come up short twice and it's like oh we feel like if there's another one he's going to beat him but what happens if Cody Rhodes gets there first and wins the title? Because like Cody, like like I, there's just so many ways they can go with this, right? Like, and I believe if they put the if they put the Japan title on Cody, because like while WWE is trying to be big in India, Japan's trying to be bigger over in North America. Yeah, like while the WWE right now is in Japan, they're over here, you know, and it's a there's a quiet war going on between japan and ring of honor and and wwe like that's tna is no longer even in in the picture as far as competing but you consider the ring of honor and new japan connection and you look at all the like all the current wwe stars you know a lot of ring of honor guys so many of them are ring of honor guys i believe uh i believe bobby fish makes his nxt debut soon yeah It, it is it's crazy and um you know and it's just like so, you know, if you want to, Jeff always makes fun of me. He's like, oh, you're such a nerd watching your indie stuff. And because he, he's a WWE elitist. That's what yeah. I call him. And I was like, well, what are you watching? Oh, I see you got Kevin Steen and uh, Daniel Bryanson, uh, you know. Like, like, you're watching Ring of Honor from 10 years ago. I was like, you're going to watch Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke. Let me show you. It's on YouTube. I can show you from three years ago, and it's better than what you're going to watch on SmackDown tonight. I just think it makes sense to put the title on Cody, to put this double title, because it'll give New Japan a push, and it'll make all the wrestling news that Cody's, you know, they don't put it on too many white guys. No. 
but they've never put it on a white guy with the mainstream popularity of Cody Rhodes has from his WWE days and his legacy that he has as well. And I think, I think it's going to happen. What do you think? I, I hope so. I, I, I really do. Um, I, I've always been a fan of Cody's work. You know, I, I thought whatever they gave him in WWE, he worked. He, he, he did it well. He, he made it. He made it work. Uh, I think uh, I, I loved Legacy, and I think the the splitting up of Legacy was booked poorly and too early. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like you know, you you look at the success of a of a stable based on how far the guys go when it breaks up. Yeah, and and do they have a pop-out star? Um, Triple of- H was able to make two new stars with Evolution. Yes. Uh, the difference between Evolution and Legacy is Randy didn't elevate those guys to their level that they should to have to the went. level that they should have gone to and i think they also kind of went with the wrong guy i think they were gonna they, they thought it was gonna be ted whereas it should have been cody but they even like they even uh, messed up like the the ted thing because the fans were salivating for ted to, yeah i think to turn so on randy and and uh and and one up them they, they just uh, the ending of legacy fizzled and it it uh uh, you know, I mean, the Dash and Cody Rhodes stuff was brilliant. The stuff he did with Damian Sandow. Yeah, with the, the, the Rhodes mask. Scholars with the mask. Amazing. Yeah. With the uh, no face when he had the mask. I love that stuff, too. Uh, the putting p- paper bags over people's heads, you know. Uh, doing, and then Stardust. Stardust was fantastic, too. He threw himself into that, even though he really didn't want to do it. And then they completely botched the, uh, they wasted the uh, the Rhodes Brothers match. Yeah. Uh, they could have built that up and had that be at WrestleMania and it would have been huge. I don't know why they underestimate the interest of wrestling fans to watch wrestling. Yeah. That seems to be the question time and time again, you know, like, you know, we're, why wouldn't we want to see the two sons of the American dream fight square off on the biggest stage of them all? Yeah. And not, not gold dust versus stardust. Like, I want Goldust yeah. versus Cody. I want Goldust versus Cody. I want to see Dustin versus Cody. I didn't even like to see that too. Like, well, but I like, I think it's, uh, but uh, he is the oldest person on the roster. And I think it's in his best interest to like, like kiss. It's time to keep the makeup on. You're getting, oh, yeah. you're getting old. Yeah. No, no, no. And you know, he feels more comfortable working in it. I think, I think, you know, when I think of Dustin Reynolds career, you know, I don't think him as the natural Dustin. That, that I saw on, on WWE and on WCW television, I think of Goldust, and I Goldust is who I'll always think Dustin will be. You know, well, Goldust was the best way for him to to break out from under his dad because he was something so different, but still keep ties with the dust. Yeah, you know with what I the mean? Dust, like, yeah, uh, but I mean, like he was, he was such a departure. I mean, you go back and watch the early gold dust stuff. Like, Oh, it's groundbreaking. His, his, the SummerSlam match with, with Roddy Piper. And you can hear the crowd chanting, kill the faggot. Yes. That is totally the best chant ever. No, I'm joking. That's and, but I mean, like, but just like, uh, <laughs> just the, like, like it, it's insane to think about it now, but like at the time, like nothing had ever been done like that no maybe the closest level, was like, like maybe adrian adonis earlier uh, exotic adrian street and adorable adrian adonis yeah. but he was like the exoticos he was always a straight guy you know 
playing limp wristed, but Goldust was something completely different and like androgynous, gender fluid. Yeah, and, we don't know what he is. Uh, you know, uh, is he gay? Is he straight? It doesn't matter. He's in your head and you're talking about him and you're thinking about him. And it's, but I mean, he was getting huge reactions from the crowd and putting on amazing matches. Yeah, his uh, matches were great. Uh, and I love the fact that he's kind of going back to that heel gold dust right now. Well, this is, it seems like right now is like he's very vintage early promos gold dust and uh, uh, with his feud with our truth right now. I, I really, when this feud with our truth is done, I want to see, uh, I want to see gold dust start following the Miz around. I want the gold dust to try to, to be the director and, and yeah. make, make the Miz a star. Well, that's pretty funny. And Miz has got his new entourage too, his new guys, which I always thought the Miz would be good leading a stable of yeah. guys that he had behind him. He was, you know, he, he, they were trying to turn him into the heir apparent to Ric Flair a couple of years ago when Rick gave him the, uh, the figure four. Yeah. And, uh, this is kind of what he was missing. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I like Bo Dallas and I like Curtis Axel. I love Curtis Axel. Bo Dallas, I, I have mixed feelings about Bo Dallas. It's just like, I feel the best thing about Bo Dallas is to be like, you know, you, I just think he's lost. And it's just about time for his brother to find him. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've been hoping that for a and while. Just, like, but, like, just pair him up with Bray. But I, I, I like I like how he works. You know, his his uh, the, the character was awesome in NXT and did not translate to the big no. stage. But I've never had a problem with his like in ring work. No, uh, no, he's he's crisp. He's he's uh, brought back like some old school dirty heel stuff well i like that he, he's he's used as the uh airplanes man that he's yeah. used on the airplanes man on occasion because that's his dad's move so i remember him like, like you see it a lot now but but he was like the first guy i remember in a long time uh pulling out the the ring tarp and putting it over the guy's head to you know jersey beat him yeah and uh and and just using just some old school dirty stuff yeah that's I've been watching a lot. Of, like I always love to go back and watch old NWA, and and uh, I'm like, man, every once in a while you see something, and it's like, why don't more people do that? And I I saw a spot in a, a six man tag. It was uh, Dustin Rhodes, um, Barry Windham. They were against the Dangerous Alliance, so they would have been feuding with the Dangerous Alliance at the time. Uh, and they were well, they they were up okay, against. So who the, was it? Barry uh, Barry Windham. Barry Dusty Windham. Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Probably Rick Steamboat the third. No, it wasn't Steamboat because he fought Rude on that paper. Oh, Nikita Koloff. Okay, uh, it was a returning Nikita Koloff. His daughter's wrestling. No and way. That, that's what I heard. Yeah, and uh, they were up against the Dangerous Alliance team of Stunning Steve Austin, Arn Anderson, and Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Rhodes was doing like a House of Fire thing, like you know, body slamming and and you know, just knocking everybody down. And they got him into the corner, but he, you know, pops Austin with an elbow, pops Eden with an elbow, and he's fighting out of the corner and yeah. and hitting Anderson. And in one of, like, the best heel desperation moves I've ever seen, Anderson grabs Rhodes and just smashes him into Bobby Eaton's head. And uh, Bobby Eaton goes down and Rhodes goes down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he sacrificed his own partner to get an advantage on uh, on the guy he was in the ring with, and I was like, "Oh, that is filthy! Like that is so dirty." That yeah. is like, and then you know, Paulie dangerously is over there trying to calm Bobby down and make sure he's okay. And it's oh like, my god, he had to do it. He had to do it. It's okay, Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. That dangerous alliance was a, a hell of a faction, and then I think of when you look through factions, it doesn't get the respect it deserves. Just by the, it's I think it's because it's like. 
Arn's secondary faction. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's a nod, but, and, but, but, you know, Medusa, Rick Rude, and, and Austin, and Zabisco was in there too. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people forget too that, uh, Larry. The and, living legend uh, Larry Zabisco. You know, this is funny. We're talking about the W, the What Culture card. Okay. So this happened too. I don't think I've, I think I've been saving this story to tell you, or did I tell you this story? I don't know. Okay. So uh, one of the wrestlers on the card were Rene Dupree, uh, and, and he is a friend of ours. Uh, he's friends with a friend of ours julian dion and who's a comedian and we've toured with many times so uh so anyways i went up that night uh, i think you'd already left at that point and i'd went up that night and he was uh, by the bar with uh after you left i think and uh, he was with davy boy uh, yeah, yeah. boy jr so i went up to him and i said oh what the hell i was i was so nervous near harry smith that i like i pulled out like my I have, you know, the Heart and Soul DVD, uh, Heart Foundation, the Heart and Soul one, or it's like all about the entire Heart family. Well, when you open it up, it's got pictures of them all. And I've got, uh, I've got it autographed by Brett, Jim, Natty. And I saw, oh my God, I'm going to get Harry Smith to sign this too. So I open it up and I'm shake. I get so nervous near wrestlers. I get all fanned out and stuff like that. I can be beside. Any the biggest comedian in the world and be cool, but wrestlers like it. Oh, like I wouldn't let McClellan leave my side because I was going to meet uh, Tanahashi, uh, and I was paying to meet Tanahashi and get a picture with him. I was like, I need you to stay here. He's like, what? What? I'm like, I just it's going to be awkward. He's like, he doesn't speak English. It's going to be awkward anyways. <laughs> I'm like, you know, so anyway, I get nervous and. Um, and so anyways, I finally, I'm going to go up to Rene Dupree and say something, even though Davey Boy is there beside him. So I went up and I said, hey, uh, you know, I just, uh, great match. And, you know, I'm a fan. And I just want to let you know that uh, I'm a comedian up here in Canada. And I ha- we have friends in common. I was like, I'm friends with Julian Dion. And he and he's drunk. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I know. That's the third time you've told me this today. And I was like, what? Third? No, no. And then I thought about it for a second. And it was all of a sudden, it was like the usual suspects where I was like, oh, I know what happened. And I was like, because, now luckily, this has happened to me and you several, uh, times. Uh, several times in the past. Or I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That was K. Trevor Wilson that told you the previous two times. I'm another fat bearded comic. My beard is gray. This is red. <laughs> We're two different fat comics. <laughs> and then he looked at me and goes, your beard is gray. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we're different people. Well, this is my first time talking to you at all. I know. I just thought it was so funny. I was like, now, for those of you who don't know, uh, years ago, I was working with John Doerr at the Yuck Yucks downtown Toronto. And immediately after my show, I went out for a smoke uh, with, with, and John went out for a smoke as well at the back door. But when I came back in, K-Trap was standing there and he said, you had a, you said to me, you had a great show. I was like, oh, thanks. Because, no, I'm letting you know, several people have come up to me and told me that they, that you had a great show. Like, that, wait, they told you? No, no, they told me because they think that I'm you. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, you're K-Trav. I'm sure they know you have other shows. And I, and I didn't realize it at first, but then when we worked at Victoria together, you went into your room after the show and I'm selling my CDs. This guy comes in and goes, Oh man, I gotta tell you, I've been waiting forever to see you. I'm glad you finally came. You're fantastic. I was like, oh, thanks, man, thanks. Because I love you on Letterkenny. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm the other guy. No, no, the other guy was okay, but you were like way better. And I watch you. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not. 
I'm not Squirrely Dan. I'm the first guy. And he's like, no, no. You see, this is what makes you funny is you're just fucking with me. I'm like, no, no. I'm the first guy. We're totally two different guys. Like, I know we're both, like, really handsome. Yeah. And, you know, but, oh, my <laughs> God. Us, you know, to all you people, us white people don't all look alike. Fat guys with beards. We're not interchangeable. No. It's just, <laughs> but it's people like, think we are. It's just, and that's when I get upset is when, when I find thin people, good-looking people, when they grow beards. I'm like, you don't understand. A beard is a beard. It covers things up. I'm like, Brad Pitt, you do not need a beard. Neither does Ben Affleck. When no. you guys get beards, it's just ridiculous. Like, leave beards to us. They're just trying to hide when they get a beard. What are they trying to hide from? You know? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's funny because I, I met Renee earlier. I went up and, and uh, uh, bought uh, an autographed uh, uh, 8x10 off of him. And I, I explained to him, you know, I'm uh, uh, friends with Julian. And I got a picture with him. And I, I uh, sent it to Julian to be like, look who I uh, uh, ran into. And then the second time I, I mentioned it to him, yeah. I was – I was hitting up uh, uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Harry Smith for a, a, a pick, and he, they were at the bar. And I said, "Oh, I, I messaged Julian, and he says hello." Uh, so that was the second time that I <laughs> I told him that I knew Julian. But uh, uh, that's so funny that he <laughs> he got miffed. <laughs> yeah, he's like on the third guy. But then he was like, "Oh man, Julian Dion, oh, good times. It's like good times." He's like, his parents were cool. We used to go to his house to party. Oh man, I got my first hand job in his closet. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what? What's really funny is, uh, uh, stemming from that, I think Julian got back in touch with them and they just had dinner. Yes, this was it, because of our recon, of our dropping him. I honestly felt that because he had, uh, he had him on his podcast really, yeah, uh, recently and they did go out to dinner and like they reconnected after all these years, you know, so hey, there's a there's a moral in this story. If you are friends with a wrestler and you know comedians, you tell those comedians because you never know what can we happen. We are always looking for an in. We are always looking for an in. I, I was able to get a, a picture, uh, a selfie with with Harry Smith, and, and he was like, "Look, you know, we'll do it quick because I don't want to get." you know mobbed by people he was just yeah. trying to enjoy himself but I, I bought a bunch of merch off of him too so i think well was he like, wasn't there when i was trying to get merch that's why i went up to him at the back i was just like you weren't there at merch table and i just wanted to get you know and i pointed out and then i also geeked out hard this is how bad i did, did he sign your uh your he, DVD? yeah he signed it but he had the sling on so he had to sign with his left hand oh wow so it's shaky but it still says harry smith yeah. and he signed over Stu. Or where Stu, or maybe sign, yeah, maybe sign where Stu was because I said, I'm sorry, Nanny took up way too much space. I guess she never thought that you'd get to sign this, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you sort of smiled at that, but then I was like, but then I have this great picture of, uh, my first time in, out west and my first tour out west was 99. And, uh, my, on the last day, I was flying out on the 28th of August and, uh, my flight was at 11.30 p.m. or something like that. So I had, but then that night at seven o'clock at the palace downtown in Calgary, uh, stampede wrestling was doing a card and they were having honorings too. So I went to the stampede card and ended up meeting Diana Smith, Hart Smith. And then she brought over Davy boy. And I have this great picture of me with Davy boy and Diana. So I was like, here's a picture of me with your parents 
You know, like I showed him this picture with me with his parents. Like I brought the picture, not to pull it up on the internet. Yeah. No. And he was like, oh, he goes, when was this? I was like, Calgary 99, August. He's like, I was there that night. Yeah, he goes, I was a kid. I was there. And I'm like, it was kind of cool. But then I was like so nervous. I just thanked him and then whatever. But uh, man, I get, I get nervous. But I wanted to buy one of his t-shirts, but he wasn't selling as yeah, much. So. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a t-shirt and I got a picture of... Uh, he signed, uh, and I bought another eight by ten, which I have a, a collection of wrestler eight by tens that are slowly filling up my uh, my living room wall. And uh, so it was one, but it was of the 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 Hart Dynasty and Brett. Yeah. So it was it was uh, Harry, TJ, and, and Natty, and uh, and and Brett, and uh, he signed it for me. Uh, that was like his last. I I feel like that was his last match. Was at Mania because. I feel like that's the last time I remember him wrestling, you because know, right, right after that match, they seemed to all go downhill from there for the Hart Dynasty. Yeah, I'm not sure what, you know. In my mind, I thought it was because that they uh, they gave Vince their finisher outside the ring, and Vince took a pretty nasty bump. Like, it looked pretty yeah. nasty. And I thought maybe that wasn't supposed to happen, maybe only one heart attack in a lifetime. Because I don't know if you know that story. I do know the story. The story uh, about, I've, I've read the book. Yeah, but, uh, is a, you know, the story about Brett getting Vince to take the heart. Natalia actually started following me on Twitter a while back. I am totally jealous. And I, I sent her a DM uh, thanking her, but uh, never heard back. So <laughs> you never heard back. That's fantastic. But I did. Uh, she uh, and, and Victor uh, from the Ascension, who's from the Ascension, Canadian, another Calgary guy. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he followed me a while ago, and he uh, retweets my stuff uh, uh, and likes my stuff uh, uh, quite often. I think he must be a Letterkenny fan. Oh, that's fantastic. But uh, it's weird. I've like slowly started to infiltrate this weird, you know, world of wrestling. Through my comedy, yeah. um, you know, RJ City says that he shows uh, my my stand up bit of, about uh, looking like an '80s jobber to well, to guys on the road all yeah. the time. And uh, well, you had a joke. Let's let's talk about this. Let's go to the what I like to call the the second Montreal screw job. Uh, actually, I tweeted when it happened because <laughs> uh, I was very upset. I was in I was in Halifax. Um, watching roast battle when you were doing the roast battles and just the first roast battle, it just for last when it was taped. And, uh, I think you were like the surprise of the, definitely the surprise of the roast battle as I don't know if people expected you to move on, but you made it to the final, right? Was the final? Well, I made it to the, the, uh, Semi. the, the, the semifinals. And then I, but you we, lost we had, to the champion. I, I lost to the champion, Mike Lawrence. And then I lost again. To, to Earl, Earl Skakel putting me in fourth place overall for but the. I remember this is what I typed. Two words can describe K. Trav Wilson's loss to Mike Lawrence tonight on Comedy Central, a roast battle. Hashtag Montreal screw job. I honestly, I had it marked three to one for you. Because I was, I, I was sat there at home watching, baked out of my mind with my two fists in the air, and it would go joke for joke, and I'd be like, okay. And the rebuttal would get a half point in my mind yeah. if you were good on the rebuttal. Because a lot of the roast battle is not the necessarily the joke, but your response to the joke right away, I find, is great. And, and Mike is terrific uh, for, for having rebuttals. His rebuttals were fantastic. Yeah. And I think sometimes 
that's where you know that's he was where consistent. it sort of skews. I think his his rebuttals were were, uh, were what gave him the edge. And actually, they mentioned that Judd said something about how like he he Mike has a way of uh, almost sneaking in an extra joke, which may have given him the edge. Mind you, in hindsight, Judd has also said that he was on something that night, and yes. he might have been wrong about his decision. He might have been wrong about his so decision. So there is controversy. There is controversy. Sarah was very upset. To have to give you the thumbs down. And I love Sarah Sullivan. She, she's, she's one of the most disarmingly nice people I've ever met. I got to, like, talking about, okay, marking out. I almost marked out when I met Sarah a couple years ago. John took me. John, I was down in L.A. with John Doerr, and he were going to a show. And I didn't know where we're going. Where's the show tonight? Oh, it's at the Largo Theater in Beverly Hills. You're going to love this place. Who's all on? He's like, well, it's Sarah Silverman and friends. So it'll be Sarah and a bunch of friends. I'm like, 10 years before that, John gave me Jesus' magic to borrow. I never gave it back. I loved the special so much. And I love like Sarah Silverman as a comedian. Not only that, I think she's gorgeous and I always have. So sure enough, I was really nervous about going into this night about meeting Sarah Silverman. But then I find out that Todd Glass is on the show and I'm like, okay, well, Todd and I know each other. So now if I'm there with Todd and John backstage, I'll feel all right. And sure enough, John and Todd are in the dressing room talking and Sarah comes in and she looks at me and I was like, hey, she's like, hey, Sarah. And holds out her hand, and I was like, oh, I'm Casey. I'm a friend of John's, and I'm a comedian from Toronto. And, uh, yeah, I said, I'm also friends with Todd, and I'm still a comedian from Toronto. She's like, cool. Then she sat down. We just started talking. I'm like, you're the coolest person ever. You know, like she's so fun and and nice. And uh, because I met her at Just for Laughs. The year she did two galas, hosted yeah. two galas, and I did one of them uh, with her, and, and uh, I, I took the bullet, and I mean, it was like an insanely awesome show. Yeah. It was like, you know, Sarah was hosting, and it, it Was had, this your uh, first gala? Uh, yeah, this was my first gala. Was it? Yeah. The, did you do the, the penis joke? I did the, the, penis, the game penis game in church, yeah. Yeah, that's, and, that's and classic. I had, and I had the bullet. That's the perfect bullet for you, yeah. like, you know- and uh, uh, there's some, I mean, Tignataro was on that show and Jimmy Carr and Kyle Kinane and uh, some fantastic comics. And, and I, uh, I, I got my American agents from that show. Yeah. You went out and you were Brett Nolan that night. Yeah. Your yeah. first match out, you set the bar. When she, and she then came to Toronto that uh, fall for JFL so 42. 42 yeah. And I, I guess I came up in the meetings is like, well, you know, uh, who do we get to open for? And uh, I think my friend Sasha who works for JFL was like, well, Ktrev just worked with her and I think he's in town. Like, yeah. why don't we ask him? Like he had a, cause the year before I'd opened for Patton and, and Louie. Yeah. And that was sort of the pitch that they gave her when they were, cause they, all, all the hosts have to approve who's on their galas. So okay. they were like, this is Kate Trevor Wilson. He's a Canadian comic last year. Uh, Louie requested him as his opener and so did Pat and Oswalt. And she was like, oh, well, if they like him, then I'll like him. Yeah. And then, so when they were like, uh, we were thinking Kate Trevor Wilson, who you just had on your gala. And she was like, okay, I know him. You know, I, I showed up and, uh, to the to the Sony Center and um, got let in through the security doors and, and Sarah's on her way down to do a sound check and she's wearing like you know jean shorts and a lumberjack shirt and, and yeah. hooker boots and <laughs> Jeff was like this is uh, do you remember Kay Trevor he's uh, going to be your opener tonight he's like oh I know Kay and she just came up and gave me a great big hug and was like we're just going to go do sound check come on it's going to be a fun night. 
Oh my God. Yeah. We just went and, and did the sound check and then, uh, uh, we hung out, you know, between shows and, uh, she was like, uh, but before the second show, she was, uh, she was like, when you go out there, you have to do, you have to do a whole other 15 minutes. Cause I've already seen that 15. And yeah. then, uh, I was like, okay. And I walked out and did a completely different 15 minutes. And, uh, then I introduced Sarah and she ca- came out and said, I was only kidding about having to do another 15 minutes. And I was, like, yeah, they and I was like, but I had it anyway. Yeah, so I might know, as they, well. They don't know. Eh? They don't and, know. And then uh, after the show, when we were talking to her assistant was like, well, you got through all the jokes on the second show that you didn't get through on the first one. And she was like, well, I kind of had to with Johnny two sets over here. <laughs> and, uh, but Sarah actually compared me to, to Tig in, in conversation backstage. She was, she's like, you remind me a lot of Tig. Uh, she goes, obviously not physically, <laughs> but you know, like you guys have uh the same styles and attitude and she goes uh and I, I want you to know i mean that as a compliment and i'm like and i want you to know i take it as one like yeah that, that's one of the nicest things i think anyone's ever said about me. oh fantastic she was disarming the nice and I've, I've seen her since obviously with roast battles and, and uh when i when i've gone to la i've run into her and uh She's a darling dear, and I know we veered right off topic, but... Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't mind talking about Sarah Silverman because I love her. It's, she's wonderful. But what I wanted to get to was you had a joke that went viral amongst wrestling nerds on Reddit the next day. Like, that was... Even though everybody was talking about your the Montreal screw job performance, but everybody else was talking... Like, the next day, your Chris Benoit joke, everybody was talking about it. I'm on multiple wrestling forums, and it was posted on... Every wrestling forum, not just the Canadian mega powers, like different forums for different podcasts. This joke was posted. And uh, now what was the joke exactly? Well, Earl Skakel, uh, who I was up against, another big uh, wrestling another fan. Big, I met Earl in L.A. years ago. Actually, it was funny. We were outside the improv. And not to get off the story, but but Jay Rouse was with me, and he was like, "Oh, you got to meet this guy over here. He used to host uh, Piper's Pit with Roddy Piper on his podcast, and uh, he loves hair metal. You have to meet him, you know." And then I met Earl Skakel, and yeah. actually we got along great. We talked about wrestling, Earl's we talked about metal, terrific, just so nice. Anyway, yeah, such a fun guy. But yeah, Earl, uh, being a big wrestling fan, and, and if you watch the roast battles, he was channeling his, his inner Rick Rude for most of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got a penchant, we might say, for dressing up as wrestlers yeah. for different things. So uh, the joke actually, uh, I've never uh, said this uh, on a podcast before, but it's been a couple of years. Uh, Tyler Morrison gave me that joke. Well, Tyler Morrison is probably one, for those of you who don't know, he's he's a one rude dude, and he is, uh, I have to say, like, even though you're the roast master of Canada because of roast battles, I think Tyler Morrison, joke for joke, is the best roast joke he is, writer He is the unsung champion of, of uh, roasting in Canada, uh, and probably, yeah, I mean... No, not even probably. He's, so quick, so fast. The best roast joke writer I personally, you know, uh, uh, 
hang out with. He had that one joke against Virgil. Again, he was doing the Iron Sheik's rose. Yes. And the, he said, uh, Virgil, uh, Virgil, what do you call it? He was like, Django unpaid. <laughs> I like the joke he had about Virgil where he said, you know, in, in uh, WWE, they named Virgil after, uh, they named him Virgil after his old boss, Dusty Rhodes. And then in uh, WCW, they named him uh, Vince and Shane after his old bosses in WWF. So that's why his new name is uh, Subway Night Manager. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the, the joke was so it was in reference to Earl being a fitness guy and dressing up as wrestlers, and he goes, uh, we go, uh, Earl. It's well known that you like to dress up as wrestlers when you work out. Next time you should dress up as Chris Benoit because the only thing your weight room should be used for is killing yourself and anyone who's ever loved you. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, <laughs> And how and that hit like I remember being like oh like the, the, you know the, the crowd reacted and and, and Earl like because that was my that was my finisher on Earl yeah and and you saw Earl take a beat with it like he stopped and he had to smile like he loved that joke he did you know, afterwards he was like that's a great joke oh and uh, um yeah it, it and it it went all across the uh, the wrestling forums and. Uh, I actually, um, I was really nervous about, about a backlash. I was really nervous about catching heat a backlash. Sorry. Yeah. That's the Benoit pay-per-view. My favorite Benoit pay-per-view is backlash Edmonton. Sorry. Uh, like I, I was nervous. I, I might catch heat from, uh, wrestlers from some or guys for, for doing it. And generally any wrestler I've talked to about it, they were like, we don't have any, uh, like no, no one's fooling ourselves. Like, he did an awful thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that you, the, you're not, you're not slaughtering the golden calf on that one. Like, no, it's, it's, uh, it's okay to, no one's going to give you heat over that one. Yeah. Uh, and actually, um, uh, Brian Heffron, the blue meanie started following me, uh, after seeing me on, uh, on roast battles. And, uh, uh, we started DMing and I've, I've talked, uh, to him over Twitter. Uh, Does a he still times. talk to Jasmine St. Clair? I don't no, know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't bring that stuff up, but, uh, you like to defy? yeah, but he, he was like a, a big fan. And I, I, I mentioned it to, like, he was one of the guys that I was like, I, I was kind of worried I'd catch heat for that Benoit joke. And he was like, don't worry about catching heat for that. Don't worry yeah. about any of that. But, uh, he was, uh, he, he figured I was a wrestler fan because he recognized the sunglasses i was wearing as uh, macho man shades because i was wearing the, the the shark teeth sunglasses if you check out the yeah sort of like pre pre-roast battle burners that we filmed that's so great and that's uh, and always like the man mountain of comedy which i love that today um like when i was a kid there was a wrestler by the name of Mount mountain moore yeah and he was uh awa affiliated he was actually I grew up like a there lot. Was, of- there was a few Man Mountains throughout the history of oh, wrestling. Yeah? Uh, there was Man Mountain Rock, Man Mountain Moore. Uh, so a lot of guys took the Man Mountain sort of moniker. Yeah. And uh, when I was, you know, figuring out ways to brand myself in comedy, I was like uh, the Man Mountain of comedy. Yeah. Well, the other way would have been to go to Big John. But considering there's already Big John Woodbury, yeah, you don't need you you need to you can steer away from that because there's another Big John. But you know uh, the Mad Mountains, it's it's perfect. You know the perfect monkey here. And uh, it was yeah, it was, you know, combining my two loves, comedy and and uh, obscure wrestling references. Yeah, 
<laughs> and it's, it's fantastic. Well, comedy and wrestling, I find they go hand in hand. Obviously, the WWE has comedy writers to write certain angles for certain things. Mm-hmm. I know when my buddy was writing for the WWE, he was focusing on comedy storylines. Uh, he worked a lot with like Santino and, uh, you know, he, uh, he did the Kane, Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan angle where they go to therapy. Oh, nice. Yeah, he wrote that angle, uh, you know, which is cool. And so shout out to Matt McCarthy uh, from the We Watch Wrestling podcast. As, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he wrote and not say give him credit. Uh, I think uh, we're pretty much done here. I think yeah. that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, we uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, it's always now? good to talk wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got going on now? Uh, now remind you, this is yeah. You're, this is this is you know. Considering when this is airing, well, we just wrapped the second block of uh, season three of Letter Kenny. Uh, yeah, or we, we will have when yes. this airs. Uh, I'm actually just going to start that in a few days. That's but, exciting. Uh, That's exciting. Very we're, exciting. We're super pumped. I've, uh, some of the episodes are, uh, are. Well, I mean, all the episodes are hilarious, but some of the episodes have got some really fun stuff. I'm, I'm all, I saw the trailer, today. and I'm stoked because I love that it's going oh, the, a little more hockey, a little more hockey the up stuff there. that happens in the winter time, which debuts on, on, uh, July, uh, 1st. So you'll, it'll have been out for a month by the time this airs, but winter in, in summer, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, God, we did, we did so much fun shooting that. There's so many stories that I, I can't even get into, but, uh, uh, beyond that, it's, uh, since this airs in early August, uh, coming up, I, uh, I'm actually going to be at, um, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy in the Mall of America, August, uh, let's see, August 23rd to 27, which, uh, for wrestling fans was the site of the very first Nitro, uh, the Mall of America. Uh, oh yes, yes it was. So very yes. yes so uh, totally. I, I tweeted uh, when I tweeted out that I, I was doing those shows. I said I got to get my Lex Luger puffy shirt ready for. My I was going to say if Lex Luger, entrance. if you're around, get that puffy shirt out and yeah. uh, maybe just walk in. And then uh, after that, I'm heading to uh, right after that. Uh, I'm heading to Winnipeg to do Rumors uh, Restaurant and Comedy Club from the 29th to the 2nd of September. Uh, of course, Winnipeg, the uh, home, home of, of Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Roddy Piper, lots of guys, lots of guys, Cyrus, Don Callias. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I've got, uh, you know, a, f- a few things coming up in, um, coming up in September and, uh, in November we'll be back shooting, uh, the third block of season three of letter Kenny. And where can we find you online? If we want to find you there? Uh, well, I'm the only K Trevor Wilson on the internet, so it's easy to track me down. Uh, my Fantastic. fan page is K Trevor Wilson on Facebook. My Twitter's at K Trevor Wilson. So is my Instagram and my website is K Trevor Wilson.com. And for uh, booking inquiries, message my manager, Barry Taylor at uh, BT at comedy records.ca. Yeah, there we go. Uh, for me, uh, well, you can, if you're looking for Casey Corbin, you can find him at uh, Twitter, Casey Corbin, uh, Facebook, Casey Corbin, uh, Instagram, Comedian Casey Corbin. But as far as uh, us goes on the Never Sleeps Network, talking wrestling, like I said at the start of the show, uh, on the Twitter, we are TNWPod, at TNWPod, Talking Wrestling on Instagram podcast. Uh, on the Instagram, we are Talking Wrestling Podcast, and email us at TalkingWrestlingGmail.com. For me, also August 3rd, uh, let's see. Oh, my God. I'm, uh, 
I will be at Absolute Comedy at the end of the month hosting shows. And uh, I'm coming up to Kingston. I think this weekend I will be in Kingston. Of course, we also have uh, Raw and SmackDown coming to Toronto this week, too, now that that's going on. So next week, uh, you can expect to hear a Raw and SmackDown live review of those shows. And I'm not quite sure who the guest will be, but it will be fantastic. So, uh, folks, thank you very much for joining us on Talking Wrestling. You guys have been uh, fantastic listeners. I know you did a good job doing that. Thank you, K-Trap, for coming in. And, uh, folks, we'll see you again uh, real soon. Thank you very much for tuning in. Talking Wrestling on the NSN Network. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 